An interesting study was done in UK hospitals in 2019. They looked at what makes a good ward and they found that there's a big gap between what health professionals and patients think is important. The most important thing to patients was good communication and staff attitudes. But according to the health professional, hand hygiene and infection control was top of the list. I'm not saying communication is more important than hygiene. It's just interesting to be reminded that patients prioritise different things to you, the health professional. Ask the Specialist, a podcast where doctors from Royal Darwin Hospital ask a team of specialists to answer the questions they have about working with Aboriginal patients. My name is Billawarra Lee. Billawarra means the red-tailed black cockatoo. I'm an elder of the Larrakia Nation. My name is Parawa Ingi, Purintadamiri, a Tiwi elder. And my name is Rajoy Melanie Herdman, and I am from Arnhem Land. The specialists are Larrakia, Tiwi and Yolngu leaders, who have all had personal experiences in hospital in the Northern Territory of Australia. I'm Vicky Kerrigan. Some people call communication a soft science. It's the touchy-feely stuff. The suggestion is, is that communication's easy, but you know it's not. Not being able to communicate is really stressful for you and really stressful for the patient. In fact, poor communication is one of the ways patients experience racism. But the good news is there are so many things you can do to improve communication. I've been thinking about that question, a very good question. There are opportunities to make communication better here in Royal Darwin Hospital and all health centres for Indigenous people in different ways. Bachi Menengwa Darandara. Good morning is Bachi Menengwa. Good afternoon is Bachi Gadlingwa. So that's good morning in Larrakia, and the Larrakia people are the traditional owners of Darwin. But Larrakia is not really a spoken language. It's not a spoken language because of the impact of colonisation, because of the stuff that my ancestors did to your mob. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they're reintroducing it again, trying to revive it. Bachi Manangwa in Larrakia. What's um, good morning in Yongumata? I don't know. We don't really have a word for good morning. It's, you say yo. Yo, namari. It's good morning. We appreciate it anyway, so we don't have a word for it. <laughs> That's Stuart McGrath. He produced the podcast with me. Stuart's an Aboriginal health practitioner in the Northern Territory of Australia, and he's studying to be a nurse. Throughout the series, we chat about what the specialists say. You'll also hear my mate Richard Margotson's voice a lot. He's recorded all of the doctor's questions, so the doctors remain anonymous. How best can we communicate? I don't know their language. I've maybe learnt one or two words. What is the best way that we can communicate? Is it through interpreters? Well, interpreters can help, but they may not be available on uh, occasions. So, you know... There's no reason why, like they do at CDU, for example, a Yolngu language or something language can be taught to these practitioners. 
for them to learn. In the hospital? In the hospital. Speak slowly. Don't use big words or acronyms. Tone, volume. Yeah, and a lot of our people have otitis media, but still clearly, simply. Use pictures online, Google, medical books, skeletons and heart models and all of those things to use because the other thing is we are visual people. So if you can draw pictures, then that's going to make your job easier. Knowing one or two words is good, you know, a greeting, a goodbye. First thing to learn about larrikin language is mama, see you later. I mean, if a person walks in and you say hello to them in their language, they're going to be like, oh. And the next time I go see the doctor, it'd be like, I like you because you learnt a little bit of my language. I mean, like, it's it's not like we as Aboriginal patients are expecting you to learn the whole language. God, no. You know? Because that's that notion with some health professionals, like, oh, God, I've got to learn a whole different language. So, no, just say a few words. That's it. It puts the, the clinical environment at ease. And I can tell you a story. This doctor was, he had a problem with communication with the parent. And the mum came in with the child. The child had a burnt foot. They'd stepped on hot coals. He would not let the doctor touch his foot, even observe or talk to him. He would. He was looking down. I think he was four or five years old. Anyway, the doctor somehow remembered words that I had taught him for fire, foot, and uh, water. So he used those words and the five-year-old cracked up and told him he was wrong. But if he didn't use that, he wouldn't have built that trust and, you know, put himself at that little boy's level Mm. to say, I'm learning too, I need your help so I can look after your foot. So that's kind of nice, that idea of making the patient the teacher. And it it gives the patient power, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it gives you something to be proud of, you know. I taught this doctor one word. When did you learn to speak English? Uh, 14. So until 14, you spoke only? Yeah, pretty much. What what made you learn English at the age of 14? Well, I guess I wanted to get a job. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I used to watch a lot of movies and stuff, but I had no idea what was going on. So I would just fast-forward it to action part, you know, where there's fighting scenes and stuff. I had no idea what the storyline was. <laughs> um, but then I realised, you know what, I, I need to understand what's going on here. So I learnt the English. Oh, that's great. So you will often hear people say, you're which is in agreement or saying yes. Sometimes people, like, hear it when they say it, they think they're saying no, yeah. <laughs> but they're saying you. Um, and ma is another one. So ma is if you give them a direction or you're telling them you're going to go into theatre at this time, you're going to have your operation and you'll wake up at this time but and there'll be people there waiting for you, and they say, ma, that's in agreement. So they are agreeing that uh, that they've received that story and they are saying, yes, okay, that's clear, I'm going to, you know, I'm ready, or yes, I agree. Yeah. 
So yo, ma, yakka, no, menmak, okay or good. Um, your heart, toturk. So that's with that hard d, toturk, buruch, which is lungs, buruch, and dinting, dinting which is kidneys. Ask your patients whatever illness they have or if they've got a broken knee, ankle, arm, whatever it is, ask them what the Yulmo name is. They know what it is. But sometimes people don't know how to spell it because our language is only written like 80 years ago. You might have heard Yongo talk about the importance of walking in both worlds. The Yungle world and the white fella, or Ballander world, as they say. Rachi woman Melanie Herdman, she seems to have walking in both worlds sorted. At Me Watch Health, she's a team leader and she's been called on to act in the CEO's job. She was elected the first young female chairperson of the board of the Dimaru Rangers. Not long ago, she moved her family to Sydney for 12 months so she could take up a job at Qantas. She's back home now in Arnhem Land, and chances are you've come across Ratchiwoy, or maybe you know her as Melanie, if you've worked in health in the top end for a while. But the thing is, <laughs> you have to know if that person is actually from that community because there was a situation where the some Yulungumata words were used with women from Groot Island, ah. and they did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there are TV yeah. patients, there are people from Meningrida. So Meningrida is a different uh, language altogether, Brara language. Groot Island is a different language. Numbulwa is a different language. And Yolong, obviously the Yolong community have different dialects, but we use similar words in our language. More than 60% of Aboriginal people in the Northern Territory speak an Aboriginal language as their first language at home. The hospital in Darwin sounds different to any other hospital in the world. In fact, Darwin sounds different to any other city in Australia. Next time you catch a bus or go for a walk, listen to the languages people are speaking. We live in a very unique part of the world. It's really hard to explain because I've grown up in this environment, but it's a different body language for other Yulmo. And their facial expressions are different from your usual, you know, scoff and roll your eyes and, you know, those sort of not Western but they're more like, I don't know, generic <laughs> body language. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, we we also have that different, like, you know how we have sign language? Yeah. There's Auslan and there's Yulungo sign language. Mm. Same for our body language. Yeah. So if the person's not looking at you, then, again, start with icebreakers and try and have a conversation. If it doesn't work, then obviously get some help or get an interpreter. And the other old thing is to, if you're um, a young male and you're treating a young, an Aboriginal female, try and have somebody else in the room that can, because the gender issues are really important, you know, if you're a female and you've, you've got a male, um, make sure that you have somebody with you 
that can counterbalance a male or a female, depending. Language should be modified um, yeah. to suit the patient's needs. Um, even just talking about these are the expected side effects when you take this medication. Come back in one week, let us know what you're feeling. Because some patients will just stop taking it. Like I, this truck driver, he stopped taking um, hypertension medications because the dosage was too high and it was giving him headaches. And But he was deemed as non-compliant. And then I asked him, and you're like, what, what's, why are you doing this? Why are you not taking the medication? Because well, I drive trucks, and every time I take this medication, it's ta- giving me headaches. So I had to talk to the doctor, then they dropped it from 60 milligrams to 30, and boom, he's coming every weekend, um, every Monday to get his medication. So I wanted to ask somebody about this. I've seen some providers sort of take on a bit of a dialect where they say, that one, and big mob. I don't know if that's well received. I don't know what the right way is. We're not given guidance. They'll say, like, that big cancer mob is going to, as opposed to saying the cancer doctors are going to. And it's not that I haven't heard Aboriginal patients sometimes speak in that way, but not everybody I've heard does. I'm not sure if when a doctor sort of speaks in that way or any healthcare provider, how that's received. I've never seen anybody overtly take offence but it does make me uncomfortable. I, I would personally be like, just speak standard English. I actually know what they're saying, so I sometimes get offended by that when I'm, when I'm the patient. That's, that's me personally. Yeah, I'd be offended. <laughs> because unless I knew the doctor had spent lots of time in community and had lots of Aboriginal friends, and it... We are brilliant at body language and picking up a sense of somebody's feeling. So if the doctor feels uncomfortable and that it's false, well, you'd be thinking, this bloke's gammon. He's bullshitting. Um, You are the professional. You're in the white coat. Be that professional. But, But be empathetic in the language that you use, your body language and your behaviour. But blackfellas will know you're trying too hard and you're like, no, just relax, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they're genuine in trying to communicate and they're using the Aboriginal word to, to try and get, get across better yeah. in a genuine way, yeah. it's about being genuine. There are heaps of things you can do to improve how you communicate. So let's go over what we've learnt. Let's do the podcast paper round on how to improve communication. Familiarise yourself with the names of the local Aboriginal languages and ask your patient to teach you a few words in their language. Speak slowly, avoid big words and avoid acronyms. Break down the sentences. Use pictures, Google images, use models, skeletons to explain what's going on because the other thing is we are visual people. Be aware of gender issues and body language. And don't assume the patient is disengaged just because they don't communicate like you. And finally, as Pirawang, you suggested, be genuine. Next time on Ask the Specialist. When, when do you think a doctor should get an interpreter? Absolutely, the moment you realise that English is not their first language, absolutely critically important. How to communicate when you're working with an Aboriginal interpreter. 
Thank you to Auntie Bilawara Lee, Pira Wangi Purantata Mary, Rachiwoi Melanie Herdman and Stuart Yiwar McGrath for sharing their knowledge and personal experiences. I'm Vicky Kerrigan. We hope you've learnt some stuff you can try at work, but we also hope you've been inspired to think about who you are and how you work. Because while it's helpful and completely fascinating to learn about Aboriginal cultures, if we're sincere about wanting to improve health outcomes for everyone, we need to critically think about our culture and how we can change. Not just as individuals, but also take a look at the places where we work and the policies we've created to suit how we think the world should operate.